Good morning, Miles City. Aren't we glad for heat in this building today? Man, there has been some Sundays where we've come where the heat was not working properly, and so I am thankful that today the heat is uh, on point, at least in this room. And so it's a little chilly out in the hall and stuff like that, but it feels good. We are so glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, uh, thanks for staying home and not coming to church today because it's so cold. But no, we are so glad that you're joining us online as well. And uh, we are in this series all about. And as I look around, it feels like this second service, there's some people that are all about the Lions today. Uh, I see a few jerseys and T-shirts out there. I mean, how exciting is it to first playoff game at Ford Field tonight? I mean, that's exciting. All right, the 10 Lions fans that are in here. All right, that's great. All right. Um, all of us are about stuff, though. We think about some people have been about Michigan football this week, right? I mean, Monday night. All right, there's a few more Michigan fans in here. All right, all about Michigan and we have to ask ourselves, what am I all about? Some of us, we might say, you know what? I'm all about uh, my kids. I'm all about my kids. You talk to some parents and that's all they can talk about is their kids. Or then as they get older and become grandparents, man, they're definitely all about their grandkids. We live in a beautiful state of Michigan and, and some people are all about the outdoors. I remember when my wife and I moved up here, we moved up in the month of June of 2017 and there was so many people outside and we were from Tennessee where when it gets humid, you go inside with the air conditioning and man, it was, everybody was like, no, you gotta get outdoors and the state of Michigan is such a beautiful state and there's so many people that are all about the outdoors and spending time in nature and all that stuff. Some people might be all about their careers at this point in their life and they're trying to build a career or maybe they're trying to build a business and that's what life is about right now. Hey, I'm, I'm pouring into this. Um, some of us might want to say that we're all about other things, but here's the deal. At the core, when we get down to it, the one thing that we all have in common is this, and say it with me, I'm all about... All right, we'll try that again. So, all, all right, I know you don't want to say it, but I'm all about you. me. You guys are a bunch of arrogant people this morning. All right, no, but here's the deal. In all seriousness, we all are, are all about ourselves. We might not want to admit it. We might not want to tell people, but in our flesh, we want to care for our comforts, our needs, our survival. We might say we don't want other people to think that we think that way or we don't want to act that way. In fact, if I were to take a survey today as you walked in and say, hey, what things are you all about? I don't think anybody, the first answer they would have said was me because we don't want to recognize that. But we care about ourselves in different ways. Some of us might care about the titles that we have or the accomplishments that we've achieved in our life. Some of us might care about our popularity or our status and the recognition that we get from that. Some might focus on their health and their appearance. You know, in my life, I'll be honest, I do care what I look like. And one of the things that I hate about myself is that I'm losing my hair. I don't like being bald. And it's just, it comes naturally. If you've ever seen my dad, I have the same exact hairline that my dad has. And the problem with my head is my head is misshapen. I have a huge head, number one, okay? My head is big. I know I, that's why I put on weight so my head doesn't look so big, all right? Um, but I have a big head. If you wear a fitted hat, I can wear a seven and seven eighths or an eight hat. So if you've ever bought hats, you know, everybody's like, here, try this hat on. It won't fit. It doesn't, okay? 
and I can't wear snapbacks because they sit on the top of my head. It's stupid, all right? You'll never see me wearing a snapback hat. They don't fit my head. Okay, and I got a flat spot on the top of my head. And I think my mom dropped me as a kid, and that explains a lot of things. Okay, she never admitted to it, but this flat spot didn't just happen naturally, okay? And I got marks all over my head. I got a big red mark on the side of my head. And so that's why there's always just a little bit of hair on my head, at least where it still grows. Okay, and then, and then I come to work at Mile City, and I got to work for a guy that looks like this. Nope. Nah, that ruined that one. All right. So the joke was, and he's in on the joke, okay? The joke was, look at this guy, but you think his hair looks like this, but in fact, it really looks like this, all right? So he sent me that, and uh, so he knows about it. You don't have to text him as soon as you get out there. Barry showed you with a bald head. But anyway, he's, he's like that, but he does look kind of funny with it. It looks like Bozo the Clown right there. But anyway, all right. But no, all of us are conscientious. All of us do care about us at the core. We really do. We have our thing because we care about me. We want to solve our personal problems. We try to set ourselves up sometimes to be our own saviors. And what happens is we put the word me in Messiah. And instead of Jesus being our Messiah, now it's become us. And so today... I want to challenge us, I want to encourage us to ask ourselves this question, who is my Messiah? Who is my Messiah? Who's our Savior? Who's our Deliverer? Who's our problem solver in life? And to be honest, whether a Christ follower or searching, all of us have to answer this question. For some of us, it may be a matter of eternity. For others of us, if we've made that decision in our life, sometimes we have to be reminded, who am I leaning into to be my Messiah? Who am I trusting? Who am I depending upon? So today, I want to encourage you as we look in this passage in John to go deeper than just skin level. Because like I said earlier, if you walked in today and I were to ask you, what are you all about? I don't think any of us would have said me. But I want us to examine our heart. I want us to be open to what the Scripture is teaching, what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear today as we look at this passage and ask ourselves that question, who is our Messiah? So let's take a moment today and just pray together before we jump into John chapter 12. Lord Jesus, God, we come to you today and we're so grateful for who you are. God, we are thankful that you are our Messiah. We are thankful that you are gave your life for us to deliver us from sin, to deliver us from eternal separation from you. God, I ask over the next few minutes that you would clear my heart and mind, that I would say the words that you would have me to say, that I would speak the truth in love, that I would explain this passage well as we see what John wrote about you. And God, I ask that you would remove the distractions from our hearts and minds and that we would focus on what is being taught and said from your word. God, we ask that you would be honored, that you would be glorified with what we do today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, I want to encourage you to go to John chapter number 12. We're going to be in verse number 37. John 12 and verse number 37 says this. Though he had done so many signs before them, 
they still did not believe in him. The they is the group of people that have been following Jesus around, many of them a religious crowd. And you think about Jesus has gotten to the point in his ministry. This is the final week of his ministry. His life is winding down, and here he is at the last week, and they still don't believe. If you look at the Gospels, there are 34 recorded miracles that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. You think about 34 different miracles, and those are just the recorded ones. You think about the fact that he turned the water into wine to start his public ministry. And then you go through uh, healing the sick, helping the lame to walk again, taking blind people and allowing them to see, taking those that couldn't hear, allowing them to hear all the things. And then he's raising people from the dead. But not only that, he fulfilled prophecy. If they would get into the Old Testament and if they would really figure out who Jesus was and where he was from, they would see that he had fulfilled prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Trying to relate it to where we are today, it would be like a few years ago there was a swimmer by the name of, of Michael Phelps. And maybe you're old enough to remember that. It wasn't that long ago, but you remember Michael Phelps. And Michael Phelps in his career, won 28 medals at the Olympics. That's incredible. 28 medals. 23 of them were gold medals. So 23 of the 28 times he got in the pool for the gold medal race, he won a gold medal. That's incredible. And it would be like us walking up to him at the 2008 Olympics, which was one of the Olympics he participated in, and looking at him saying, you know what, Michael Phelps, I've seen you swim. I've seen you set some records, but I'm not sure you're that good of a swimmer. Will you please put this life jacket on? Just for me. Because I, I, I know I've seen what you've done in the previous Olympics, and I've watched you in this Olympics, and I know that you're setting records and all that, but I really don't think you are who you say you are. So please, just for your safety and my peace of mind, put the life jacket on. Here's this group that have followed Jesus around and they've heard his message and they've seen the miracles performed and yet they still do not believe. The problem was they didn't want to make him their Messiah. They didn't want to make him their Messiah. They didn't want to trust in him. That, asks, that brings us to the first question that we have to ask ourselves is this, will he be our Messiah? Will he be our Messiah. I went back and I looked. This is the 23rd message that we have preached out of the book of John. We've almost been in the book of John for half a year. We, I think we took a week off at Christmas, but for the last 24 weeks, except for one, we've preached out of a passage in the book of John. Way back at the beginning, we've done different series and we've repackaged what they look like and we're going to continue to do that till we finish this book. But at the beginning, we reminded you just several times, hey, the book of John is getting you, trying to get you to understand who Jesus is. In fact, John states it clearly in John 20 and verse number 31. He says this, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John wrote the book so that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And yet some of you, even though you've been here maybe all 23 weeks, maybe a good portion of them, you still don't know if you want to believe what Jesus says is true. You still don't want to know if you really want to believe the book of John. You don't want to, know, you don't want to believe those evidences. You don't, even the ones outside of Scripture, 
Even as you study history, you can see that Jesus existed. And then when you start looking at the prophecies he fulfilled, it's impossible for any normal human being to do what he did. And some of you still won't believe. And it's not that you can't. It's just that you won't. There is something keeping you from believing that he is the Messiah. But the issue is, is this continued disbelief in dangerous is a dangerous path to walk. Let me show you why in verse number 38, John wrote this. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. What Jesus is referring to and what John is writing about right here is the prophecy that Isaiah made back in Isaiah chapter 53 and Isaiah chapter 6. It was fulfilling a prophecy that those that lived around the Messiah decided in their hearts that they wouldn't believe to the point that they couldn't believe. Those who were unwilling to believe now were unable to believe. This is a difficult passage. This is a hard thing to say. But what this is saying is They chose not to believe all the way to the point where God then blinded their hearts and their minds to where they could no longer believe. You say, that sounds pretty rough. It is. But there are some things about the sovereignty of God that maybe we will have questions about, but we have to decide, do I believe that God is God? That he knows best, or do I want to be able to explain everything about him? Because if I can explain everything about him, then he's really not a God. And these around Jesus had believed for so long that they got to the point that they could no longer believe. And they missed their chance of salvation. For many, the reason that they missed their chance is they wanted to be their own Messiah. They wanted to be the answer to their problems. They wanted to be the one that solved the issues that came up in life. Maybe today that's us. Maybe the question that we need to ask ourselves is, will you be your Messiah? Will you be your Messiah? It reminds me of the story of George Whitfield and Ben Franklin. You might not be familiar with the name George Whitfield, but hopefully if you paid any attention at school, you do know who who Ben Franklin was. But they were contemporaries. In fact, they were friends. And George Whitfield was an evangelist that started the Great Awakening in America. It was the, great, the first great revival in America. He was an incredible preacher, an incredible man of God. He, would, he was personal friends with Ben Franklin to the point that when George Whitfield was in town or was in the area, he would stay at Ben Franklin's house. Ben Franklin published a paper, and on this paper he would put the messages of George Whitfield many times on the front page of his paper. But the problem was Ben Franklin wasn't a believer. Ben Franklin put his trust in himself. In fact, Ben Franklin wanted to make his own 
type of religion. He enumerated 13 moral qualities that he wanted to attain, and he called these qualities moral habitudes. A cross between a habit and an attitude. The list was this, temperance, silence, order, resolution, frugality, industry, sincerity, justice, moderation, cleanliness, tranquility, chastity, and humility. And he took this personal religion seriously. It wasn't like he just gave it lip service. In fact, he carried around with him a ledger. And on this ledger, on the left side, he wrote those 13 qualities. And then he had seven columns, one for each day of the week. And whenever he would fail at one of those 13 qualities, he would put a check mark in that column. When the week was over, he would erase the check marks and he'd start over again the next week. Sound like a good plan until he had so many check marks and so many erasures that he wore holes in the paper. And he got to the point where he began ripping out the pages and just starting over each week. And he never attained that moral religion that he wanted to live in. From all history accounts, he died without Jesus. He died without hope of eternity. He put his trust in himself. And even though he knew he failed, even though he knew it wasn't going, even though he had the greatest evangelist of the time that would stay at his house and he would read his messages and he would publish them in his paper, he couldn't believe. And as a Christ follower, to be honest, in my life, this is what I've done. I haven't recreated a my own religion. I haven't made a ledger and mark around because trust me, I, there's no way I would, I know I couldn't do that. But what I do find myself is many times trying to be my own Messiah and fixing my own problems and doing things my way and trying to figure it out. One of the things that I struggle with in my marriage is I, I am still learning that just because my wife has a problem and tells me about it doesn't mean I'm supposed to fix it. Sometimes she just wants me to listen. I'm not a good listener. I, am, I do try to be a good fixer. And many times in my life, that's what I've tried to do with Jesus. Jesus says, why are you trying to fix your own stuff? Why are you trying to be your own Messiah? Oh, we might not be Ben Franklin and reject Jesus. But many of us in here today, we keep putting Jesus off the throne and putting ourselves on top of it. Or maybe today you are like Ben Franklin. And you are trying to live by some moral code. And you might not have the same 13 things he had on his list, but there might be a list in your head that, hey, if I do these things and I can put check marks next to them, one day I'll be good enough to get to heaven. Again, that's making you the Messiah of your life. Can I encourage you to not let your temporary unbelief become a permanent unbelief? You say, when does that line happen? I don't know. I'm not God. The fact that you're here today hearing the gospel presented plain and clear, hopefully, shows that you haven't hit that line yet. But don't let your heart become permanently hardened. The passage goes on in John chapter 12 and verse number 42. John writes this, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. Now, disbelief is dangerous, but also we see here a kind of belief that is dangerous as well. It's this borderline believer. 
They believed who Jesus was, but the problem is Scripture tells us that even the demons believed that Jesus was who he said he was. But they weren't willing to take that step and put their faith and trust in him and only him. And for some of them, here's what was holding them back. Look what John wrote in verse, in the, finishing that verse out. He says, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They are afraid of getting kicked out of their position. They are afraid of losing their reputation or their respect or their influence. They cared what others thought more than they feared God. They feared man. And by default, by default, they were making others their Messiah instead of Jesus their Messiah. Which brings us to the last question that we need to ask ourselves today is will they be your Messiah? Will we allow others to be greater to us than Jesus? Do we long for their approval? Do we love the likes and the clicks on our post so that people approve of who we are? We want people to like us. We want people to accept us. For some of us, that keeps us from ever coming to Christ because we're worried what our family will think of us. We're worried what our coworkers or our friends will think of us. The problem is even of us that know Jesus, many times we allow that to keep us from really following after him. We just... Today, and almost every Sunday, I'm glad to say that we get to show the story of someone's baptism and how they came to Christ. And to be honest, there are some of you sitting here today that are more worried about getting nervous in front of a camera or getting in front of people and getting dunked in a pool of water. That bothers you more than being obedient to Jesus. For some of us, including myself, there have been times that I have been more worried about what a stranger thinks of me than what Jesus thinks of me. The Holy Spirit has prompted me to say something to encourage someone or to share the gospel with them, and I've kept my mouth shut because I was more concerned about someone that I've never met and I'll probably will never see ever again thinks of me than what my Savior thinks of me. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're making them our Messiah. There was a group of people that were in authority that believed Jesus and said, hey, what he's saying is true, but they couldn't take that step because of their reputation. Maybe today we need to be reminded of what was written in Matthew and what was written in Galatians. It says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? For believers, Paul wrote, for I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Can I encourage you today in those times that you're caught more concerned about what others think of you than what Jesus thinks of you to take a step back, to allow the Holy Spirit to remind you that he's your Messiah? that Jesus is the one that paid the price for your sins, 
that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he wants to lead and guide you, and that he will protect you. Don't let others be your Messiah. So Jesus makes these statements. These prophecies are fulfilled. When we get to the end of this chapter, this is the last public statement that Jesus makes to a big crowd. This is his last mini message. This is the last thing he wants them to know. Now he's still going to have conversations with those he's close to. And at the cross he has conversations and it's obviously a very, very public death that he's put to. But this is the last time that Jesus has this audience listening to him. And listen to what he says. Verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. The last thing that Jesus wants them to remember is the clarity of the gospel, the good news of why he came. He says, I want to remind you one more time. My singular focus of being here is so that you may know that I came to be your Messiah. I came to be the light in your darkness. I came so that you can put your trust in me so that you can be saved. See, when Jesus came that first time, he was all about peace and salvation. He wants us to be saved. That's why he came. But he did give a warning. He said, the second time I come, I'll be all about judgment. It'll be too late. The chance will be gone. So today, as we wrap up chapter 12 of John, and we see once again that Jesus has come to be our Savior. He has come to be our Messiah. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, is Jesus your Messiah? Is Jesus our Messiah? For many of you, you've made that choice to make him the Messiah of your life. There was a time in your life when you made that conscious decision that I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus and only Jesus. I'm trusting in him. But to be honest, there are times, even as a follower of Christ, that we try to become our own Messiah. We forget about the goodness of God in our life. We forget about his protection. We forget about his deliverance. And we step into that role in our own life and try to figure it out on our own. Maybe today you come in here and if you're honest with yourself, that's what you've been trying to do lately is be your own Messiah. Or maybe the opinion of a family member or a friend or a coworker or a neighbor or maybe even a spouse 
has become more important to you than what Jesus thinks. Maybe there's some areas in your life that you have to confess that, hey, I've allowed others to become my Messiah because I care more about what they think than I do what Jesus thinks. Maybe you sit here today and there's never been a point in your life where you said, hey, I'm putting my faith and trust in Christ. There's never been a time when you made that decision that he is the Lord and Savior of my life. I trust him and only him. You say, but I've got so many questions. That's okay. But there are some things I don't understand. That's okay. Jesus, when he was here, he said, if we would have the faith of a child, children have lots of questions. Children don't understand a lot of things. But he said, when you have that kind of faith as a child, that's the faith that brings you to me. And today, maybe you need to make that decision in your life. See, our sin is what separates us from God. Our sin is what caused him to come and have to die on the cross for our sins. So that's why he came was to pay the price for our sin, the things we do contrary to his will. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose again from the dead to show that he has power over sin and death. Paul wrote in Romans, he said, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say whoever understands everything or understands the sovereignty of God or why they can do this or why he didn't do this. No, it just says, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that he died and rose again for me and I'm trusting him and only him. He made it simple. There's not a list. It's not some ledger we need to carry around to put check marks in when we fail. He said, I've taken care of all that. Today, maybe that's the decision that you need to make. You need to make him the Messiah of your life and quit trying to be your own. So today, as we close, I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads in an attitude of prayer. And if that's your desire today, if you say, Barry, there's never been a time in my life when I've put my faith and trust in Jesus. If that's the desire of your heart today, Say something like this to him. And listen, this prayer is not what saves you. It's the attitude of your heart and your mind. Say something like this. Say, Jesus, I confess my sins to you. Jesus, I believe that you are God. And I want to thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and for rising again from the dead for me. And today, my desire is to lower my pride and to put my faith and trust in you and only you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, we come to you today and we ask for those that have made this decision in their heart that this decision would be real to them, that they would understand that you love them, that you died for them, that our sin separates us from you but because of your great love for us. You were willing to pay the price for that sin so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus, thank you for providing a way to heaven so that we don't have to spend eternity in hell. Thank you for loving us. God, for those of us that are Christ followers, would we be reminded today from this passage that
We need to keep making you the Messiah of our life. It can't be us. It can't be others, Lord. It can only be you. God, I ask today that your Holy Spirit would point out the areas in our life that we're trying to take control or that we're allowing others to have more influence on us than you. Thank you for being our Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen. Now today, if you've put your faith and trust in Christ, we want to be an encouragement to you in any way that we can. In fact, one of the things that I want to encourage you to do is tell somebody that you put your faith and trust in Christ today. Maybe the person that invited you, maybe the person you're sitting next to, but let them know. And we would love to know. You could fill out that green card and put on the top there. There's a place where you can check a box. You can catch me in the hall as you leave. You can text the word Mile City to the number on the screen. But we would love an opportunity to be able to answer any questions that you might have. It's normal to have questions. It's normal to not have it figured out. That's okay. Jesus did it all for you. You don't have to do it. That's the great thing about salvation is it's not dependent upon us and what we know. 